the Canadian Military History Podcast. Provided by the Royal Regiment of Canada. Welcome to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. To start off today's episode, I'd like to thank everybody who came to the Canadian Military History Podcast launch, which also was my 25th anniversary in the Canadian Forces and my 45th birthday party. So we had representation from wounded warriors there. We had representation from the City of Toronto, from the RCMI, and also members of the Toronto Scottish, my former messmates. I also had guests from York Regional Police and members of 32 Brigade. So it was a good collection of people. Speaking of York Regional Police, I got in contact with someone identified as Matt T. So Matt, hi, I hope you're still listening. So Matt T put a tweet on the York Regional Police Twitter page. So Matt was talking about Remembrance Day and the importance of pausing and reflecting during the moment of silence. And he posted on the York Regional Police Twitter page, and he was directed to check out the York Regional Police Remembrance Project, which is found on yrp.ca, and it's called the Remembrance Project. And what that is is biographies of military veterans. He reflects on my story, which is posted there, He says, just read the story on Mike Lacroix, amazing journey he's had. Certainly got me thinking. So he's still with the Army and York Regional Police. So York Regional Police responded on my behalf. I didn't even know this was going on. They said, Constable Lacroix is both. He currently works in our training branch. He also runs a military history podcast. And the link was posted on there. What happened next is Matt decided to check out the Canadian Military History Podcast. And as a result, he sent me uh, an email through the Canadian Military History Podcast email. So it's Mike Lacroix, cmhp at gmail.com. And he sent me a note. I commented on York Regional Police's Twitter page and mentioned to them about your story on the YRP website. They sent me a link to your Canadian Military History Podcast website. I just wanted to say that it was a great story on the YRP website on your process with both military and police. To be able to do both jobs, both very busy jobs, certainly shows great commitment. Reading your story has certainly inspired me with hopefully getting hired with York Regional Police one day, as well as looking into the Military Police Reserve. Again, a great story, and thank you for your service in both the Canadian Forces and as a police officer. Sincerely, Matthew Thorne. Well, thanks a lot, Matthew. And the advice I gave to Matthew is to consider... If he's interested in becoming a police officer, that perhaps, and and this is just a suggestion, every, every person has their own opinion, but perhaps look into something other than military policing. Because while it can be rewarding to do one occupation in two different fields, personally, in my experience, I find that I've had the benefit of doing two different things, even though there is a little bit of cross-pollination. Someone like one of my former guests, Shannon Terrell, who is a nurse, did experience some frustration as being a combat medic, and uh, that that caused her to move into the uh, nursing officer trade as opposed to remaining as a combat medic. Uh, Yet those are two trades, they're identical, but there there are certain rules. And I know a few people that are police officers with Peel Regional Police, with York Regional Police, and they're also military police. There are some challenges to being 
a police officer out in the community and then being a police officer in the military police as a reservist. And if that's a good balance, if that's what you're looking for, then that's the best route for you. Uh, my advice would be to do something different. I've known some infantry soldiers who in their other career have worked for the municipal EMS, but they had no interest in being combat medics despite the fact that they were highly skilled in the EMS trade. So just food for thought, Matt. Uh, you, you make your best choice, uh, and uh, certainly whichever path you choose is going to be the best one for you. Moving on to yesterday, before the Canadian Military History Podcast launch party, I had an opportunity to teach military ethics to basic training recruits at Fort York Armory. And during my lesson, I had my notes, I had my lesson plan done, I had my PowerPoint slides, I was hooked into the, the smart board, and the fire alarm went off. Well, we have week three basic training recruits who are basically just starting off. And it's not like during an ethics lesson with basic training recruits, we can just pretend to ignore the fire alarm. So we went through a full fire drill, got everybody out of the building, and we formed them up, took our attendance in the assembly area, and waited for the fire department to show up. Well, unfortunately, the clock on my lesson was still ticking, so I still had to get my lesson objectives done. So what did I decide to do? Well, we're at uh, Lakeshore and Strawn, right near Bathurst, right near the lake, uh, Lake Ontario. So I decided to take the basic training recruits out for a little walk. We went across the lake shore and we went right to the water's edge. We went into a place called Coronation Park. Why is Coronation Park important? Well, it has a tree planted for every single member of the Commonwealth fighting in World War I. And there's a tree planted for every single battalion in World War I. There's also the Battle of the Atlantic Memorial there. And what this memorial is, it's shaped like a little bit of an amphitheater. So what I did, I did something that I haven't done since probably 1992 or 93, is I sat the recruits down in, uh, in the Battle of the Atlantic Memorial Amphitheater, and I taught my lesson right there in Coronation Park. By good fortune, I, j I happened to cross paths with uh, Sandra Shaw from the City of Toronto, and Sandra and I and my headquarters are looking at working on a project to restore Coronation Park. And we're looking to have a big celebration of the restoration of Coronation Park next September, September 2014. For those of you that aren't listening as the podcast come out, all you future listeners, in September 2014, we'll have a big unveiling, the rededication of Coronation Park. It is something that does need to have a little bit of restoration effort put into it. Some of the memorial stones have been overgrown with dirt, with roots. Some of the stones, unfortunately, are missing. Hopefully, they're just under the surface of the ground. And the other challenge is some of the units that are reflected by those trees, some of those battalions, they have no perpetuating unit. So someone may have been raised in, let's say, Perth, Ontario, or something of that nature, and now there's no unit to perpetuate the service of that battalion from World War One, and the challenge now is to find somebody who's going to adopt that tree and help restore that piece of the project. So anyhow, this project's just getting off the ground. It's just in its infancy stage, and uh, I know that I'm looking forward to supporting the restoration of Coronation Park. Coronation Park, I said, I'll say again, it's right down near the Canadian National Exhibition in the city of Toronto. And it was built as sort of a make-work project for the military veterans returning from World War I who were looking for work to do. 
and it's recovered land from Lake Ontario where spoil from construction and excavations, basically landfill, was put in the lake to create the park, the space of the park. And then the trees were planted and the boulevards were made. The reason it's called Coronation Park is because it tied into the coronation of King George VI. So I'm looking forward to that restoration project and I'm looking forward to the results and what the new theme is going to be. I also want to take a quick moment and acknowledge some of the donations that have come in to support the website. I want to acknowledge the donation from Lieutenant Colonel Justin Neal, my former commanding officer, my former command team partner, who contributed through the PayPal link. I also want to thank Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Zalvin, who made a donation to support the website. That's great. Thank you very much. And a group of anonymous donors who got together and gathered up some donations to support the website. And uh, to those anonymous donors, thank you as well. If you're interested in supporting the Canadian Military History Podcast, there's a couple of ways you can do that. The number one way is you can hit the PayPal link. You can hit the donate button right on the website, www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca. And you hit the donate button. If you have a PayPal account, you use the PayPal link and you send a donation of your choice. Any donation, big or small, is greatly appreciated. The other way to get a donation done, or if you're less inclined to use PayPal, is to shop on Amazon. So before you buy something from Amazon.com or Amazon.ca, whichever, you go to the Canadian Military History Podcast website and you click on my Amazon link. There's also an Amazon link embedded into all the show notes. So as soon as you're reading some of the show notes, you're reading about some of our guests, you can see that word Amazon. It's kind of different colored and it's different colored because there's a hyperlink embedded right there. You click on that Amazon and it takes you right to the website and you shop just as you normally would on Amazon. And a portion of your price goes to supporting the website, but you don't pay anything greater than what you see on your screen. So your price you negotiate through Amazon is your price, and a portion of the money that would normally go towards Amazon would be going towards supporting the podcast. So for those of you who are interested in the podcast counter, we're up to 16,365 hits. That's only on the podcast feed site. I'm sure there's more listeners on iTunes and and elsewhere. I'm always impressed to see how the counter just keeps leaping forward and adding more numbers. One last piece of business, just to before I introduce the guest for this episode. So let's say, for example, you're a young sergeant, you're on change of RSM parade. The colors are about to be marched on, so you execute the best present arms you've ever done. And for some strange reason, you accidentally knock your medals right off. And then what happens? The parade photographer comes by and leans forward and picks your medals up off the ground. And and he doesn't pin them back on because, you know, you're presenting arms. Anyhow, just a little bit of fiction there. So what do you need to stop this kind of thing from happening? What's going to hold those medals on when you execute that fantastic present arms, the best present arms you've ever done? Well, the device you need is the original pin saver. Now, the original pin saver replaces the backing pin on your medals, on your collar dogs, on your metal rank insignia, and other pins that typically pop off or fly off or fall off. You can buy a 12-pack of pin savers, and what they do, they're a little barrel with a type of screw pin and you attach them on with a allen key and those things just don't come off when they go on they're solid on and where do you find them you find them at pinsaver.com www.pinsaver.com i don't get anything for boosting this site i just mentioned to them when i ordered a package that uh, i was involved in military circles and police circles and i have exposure to a lot of people who wear a lot of metal pins on their uniforms 
I decided, hey, you know what, this is a time for a little bit of payback because they sent me an extra pack. I ordered one 12 pack, told them who I was, what I was all about, and I told them that any chance I could get, I would mention their product. And what I'll do, I'll put a link on the show notes, but pinsaver.com is the name of the website. You can order these pins. I suggest you order more than one 12 pack because you do go through them pretty quick putting together one uniform. The fact is you only get one Allen key with 12. And if you lose that Allen key and you and you want to go to the dry cleaners, well then guess what? You're not getting those medals and pins off your uniform. They're all, they're locked on for good. So it's good to have two packs because you get two Allen keys then. You can put one in a safe place. And if for uh, some reason you lose your Allen key, you'll be able to simply go to your spare one and you'll be able to get those pins taken off when it's time to go to the dry cleaners. So today's guest is Major Rich IQ. He's currently employed at 32 Brigade Headquarters. He is the G1 Branch Head, and he's in charge of our personnel services in 32 Brigade. So he joined in 1996, and he went through his logistics officer training at CFB Borden. He served in Afghanistan, he served in Sudan, and he's also done some secondments with the RCMP. In my world, Major Rich IQ and his excellent team are my go-to people for things such as promotions, transfers, commissioning, and many other personnel issues. And I know that if I have a situation that needs to be resolved, Major Rich IQ and his crew are right on it. They do an excellent job getting me not only the answers I need, but also the results I need. Here's my interview with Major Rich IQ. Major Rich IQ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. We first met at 32 Brigade Headquarters when you were presented the Canada Command Commendation right before your most recent deployment to Afghanistan. Correct. I was given a commendation for my work with the Toronto Heavy Urban Search and Rescue Team. We were trying to, uh, we worked for about three years to get an SOP down for sending a civilian emergency team somewhere in North America uh, on short notice. It was uh, three years of work, and it finally got through, and I believe the policy still stands now. Wow. Would that have been used during the mall collapse that happened recently in Ontario? Exact same team, yep. They almost went to Haiti as well during the crisis they had there, and they also deployed with us to Thunder Bay back in the day for an exercise. Oh, that's amazing. To get right into the four questions and the format of the podcast, I'd like to know why you decided to join the Canadian Armed Forces. Well, growing up, I had two career choices that I always wanted to follow. One was being a police officer, and the other was being a soldier. In the late 80s, early 90s, the police officer trade was a bit difficult to get into. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, and so uh, my best friend joined the RCMP, and he, uh, uh, at his ceremony when he got uh, badged and before he went off the depot, the whole conversation of the way the RCMP was going, took the wind out of my sails for that whole piece, so um, I sort of abandoned policing and followed soldiering. Excellent. I, I was lucky enough to do both, but anyhow, that's a, yeah, that's yeah. a different podcast. Yeah. So what was the world like when you joined? Um, well, I joined in 1996. I, I don't recall very many people knew anything about the Army back then, I think that it was something that people just didn't talk about and didn't see. It was a kind of a, a much lower tech society. I remember I had a pager back then and cell phones were a ridiculous amount of money to use. Uh, the internet we had was dial up and very slow. I was pretty, uh, I think I was pretty naive about, uh, about everything. So. 
that gets into the next question. What were you like when you joined? So you already started a little bit down that path. Yeah, so I yeah I, I, I think I was very naive actually, and uh, I went to school late. I, I after high school I worked for a bit, and then I went to college for two years, and then I worked some more, and then I decided to go to university. So I had a little bit of work experience, and so I was a bit older when I joined the military. I think I was twenty four. I had different perspectives, so I was pretty set in my ways and uh, stubborn, and uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> not the uh, the best at uh, at going through uh, the different phase training so now have you always been with the logistics corps yeah yeah no i joined as a logo and didn't really want anything else going into the next follow-on question what is your most memorable experience in the canadian forces funny enough i, I I'm, I'm i'm sort of i guess I'm, I'm leading myself into all these questions but uh, graduating from phase two i think was my greatest achievement my personality and the Problems that I faced in uh, my initial military training were were very huge. I had to do a lot of personal reflection. I probably wasn't in the best state to go through an indoctrination course. But in the end, the look on my parents' face really t- told me that I, I had done something big. And, uh, and I really think it had fundamentally changed me as a person and is why I am the way I am today. So I think it, it was by far my biggest achievement was graduating from and then that would have been phase two in uh, logistics officer training? In Borden, yeah. It's called environmental specialty land back in the day. Who is your greatest influence or who is the most memorable character that you've encountered in your period of service? I have met a lot of characters, but most memorably would be uh, now Colonel John Conrad, another logistics officer. He became a professional mentor to me. I've always looked forward to every conversation we've ever had. I worked for him for a, just over a year. And uh, he taught me a tremendous amount about the military, the military way of thinking, what logistics officers need to be like and what we need to do to support. And just generally, he just totally influenced everything the way I do. In fact, I would say that if I'm ever challenged with a, a problem, I, will all, I always all think back and think, what would Colonel Conrad do? Back then, Major Conrad, but I would always think of what John Conrad would do. And I, I think it served me well. We're already at the last question. What is the greatest challenge you ever had to overcome? Uh, I think the greatest challenge I ever had to come was, it's a bit complicated, but I was on my deployment in Africa and Sudan. I was detained by the SPLA. And that was extremely challenging in itself just because I think it was quite a, a dangerous situation to be in. But then afterwards, one of my teammates, another officer uh, who was a military observer with me, he he suffered huge uh, mentally from from the incident. Uh, I watched him pretty much disintegrate. And and just thinking about that whole team was led by me and so the decisions I made that day really were why he was the way he became. So I personally wouldn't do anything different, but it was extremely challenging to me physically and mentally and um, something that I will never forget. And it just, it taught me about human nature and the mental state and how to sort of view people's mental states as you go through your decision process. Yeah, it was definitely something that was interesting. It, uh, it was even more interesting, though, watching someone disintegrate within days of getting back to our camp after that. Wow. Yeah. 
Is there anything else you'd like to reflect on? Because, I mean, this is one of the fastest episodes we've ever recorded. I mean, I know you've done some pretty wild and interesting things, participated in some drug busts and things of that nature. Yeah, you know, I've done some, I've been very fortunate in that I've uh, I've been able to deploy with the heavy urban search and rescue team on three different occasions on exercise. I've been uh, seconded to the RCMP to do a marijuana eradication three years in a row. Not the last three years, but for three years I was seconded there. Uh, so working with the RCMP, OPP, and all the municipal forces in Ontario, I've had the chance to deploy to the Arctic, going on a UN mission to Sudan uh, and witness the birth of a country because when I was there it was 2010, so we had the uh, the referendum that right. Sudan went through where they elected to, uh, South Sudan elected to separate itself from the country of Sudan, so I was there for that. We were monitoring the polls and we were watching the polling stations and trying to make sure that everything happened as most democratically as possible without undue influence by different groups. Being challenged by the two standing armies in that country, being challenged by people from Chad and Central African Republic called the Lord's Resistance Army, uh, being challenged by all sorts of different factors. And so being able to get through and watch that was, was spectacular. And then in Afghanistan, I had uh, an absolutely incredible job uh, working for uh, NATO Training Mission Afghanistan in the American headquarters. So being one of 80 Canadians in a camp of 3,000, we were a very small organization working in a huge American organization, and becoming integral in that was so eye-opening. It was amazing. Yeah, I've had a lot of great, great experiences. Well, it sounds exciting to me. Is there anything else you'd like to say, just to wrap up? You know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. I hope that uh, a lot of people sign up and that you, um, you're you able to get a lot of different perspectives and opinions. And uh, I, I wish you guys all the best in this, uh, this endeavor. Well, thanks for being part of the podcast, and I appreciate you taking the time to be interviewed. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. NTAG music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.